You're listening to the You Mentor Talk Show. I'm your host, Fatima Al Sayed, and this week's show is brought to you by Hijab Souk. On this weekly talk show, we invite experts to learn from their career journeys as professionals in their fields. Tune in every week on Saturday at 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time to hear the advice of these professionals. And remember, if you have any questions for the panelists, you can always leave them in the comments section. On today's show, our guest is Fatima Ahmadi. Behind every pearly smile is a proud dental hygienist. Fatima, how are you today? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing very well. Thank you. Um, I'm very excited to for everyone to hear about your job and what you do. I'm very excited to be on the show. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here. Um, so you're a dental hygienist. Uh, we're going to get into what that is and what you do. But first, tell us what how did you start? How, what did you study in school? Um, well, I started school as a biology major. Mm-hmm. Um, I went to Rutgers University. Um, but getting an interest in dental hygiene go, goes way back when to when I was 16. I started working as a dental assistant with Dr. Wilma Rowe in Persephone. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I started temping here and there in some offices and I met a hygienist and she completely blew my mind away and I decided this is what I want to do. This is how I want to give back to my community. So I decided to pursue dental hygiene. So going back to um, your 16-year-old self, what brought you into um, being an assistant for the dentist? I was always interested in dentistry and I wanted to get a feel of what it was going to be like. Mm-hmm. So I started calling random offices and see if they were going to let me shadow. And she said, sure, come in. And, you know, I went into her office first day. I'm there. She let me shadow a little bit. She let me watch um, an extraction, which I took a part in. And from there, we kicked off very well together. And she trained me to become an assistant. And I stayed with her for about 10 years before she retired. That's an amazing story. Um, at 16 years old, you had that initiative. How, did you, how were you motiva- motivated to do this? Um, honestly, I want to give a lot of thanks to my dad. My dad mm-hmm. is somebody who always says, you know, if you want something, you got to work for it. And alhamdulillah, he said, you know, if this is what you want to do, go ahead, give, pick up that phone, give that phone call, go and do it. You're not going to lose anything. If you know, you're going to reach out and try, you're only going to gain. So that's what I did. He motivated me to pursue my dreams. And here I am. Beautiful. Um, I love that piece of advice, you know, go and do it. What are you going to lose? Yeah. What are you going to get? That's worth. I mean, the worst thing is a no, right? <laughs> exactly. The worst thing they do is like, I've had a few offices that said, no, unfortunately, we don't have anything available. We don't want anybody mm. shadowing a doctor. And I think Dr. Rowe was the third office I called and she's like, sure, come in. Mm-hmm. Can you come in on Saturday? And I was like, of course. <laughs> um, and you stayed there for 10 years. Did, did you Did you have to do any certification in order to continue for that long? Um, I didn't. Uh, normally, if you want to become a certified dental assistant, you have mm-hmm. to. Um, I didn't because Dr. Rowe personally trained me herself. Mm-hmm. But then when I went to hygiene school, I, I did become x-ray certified. I did. I took my local anesthesia license mm-hmm. exam. And then obviously you do the training and the studies for dental hygiene and you become certified and licensed for that. Yeah. And did you feel the experiences from uh, being an assistant for so long helped in your studies later on? 
It did. It honestly did because there were some people who wanted to be a hygienist who'd never stepped into a dental office, who didn't know what the environment mm-hmm. was like. And I was I was one of the few in the class who stepped in and I knew how to take x-rays and I knew what certain instruments were called and how to set up and break down mm-hmm. a room and how to get ready for a patient. So I had a little bit of a leverage when I went to school for dental hygiene. What are the qualifications someone um, needs uh, in order to get into the dental hygiene field and in order to work in the field? Well, you have to be uh, certified and licensed for the state you're working in. So one of the biggest things is you have to do either a two-year or four-year program for dental hygiene. A two-year would be an associate's, four-year would be a bachelor's. Mm -hmm. And then from there, you take your state exams, uh, your, your jurisprudence exam, your clinical exam, your clinical written exam, and your national dental hygiene boards. Okay. And does this uh, transfer states between states or do you have to retake uh, an exam or um, get get recertified? It's kind of like a coast to coast exam. So if you're on this coast, you take one exam and you can use it in different states, except every state has their own, like a law exam, you take that like a jurisprudence. Mm -hmm. And then if you're in California, you need to take one exam for that coast of the US and then you take their jurisprudence from state to state. Okay. And how does it work overseas? Unfortunately, the only downfall to having a license in the United States is when you want to go overseas, um, you would have to see what their programs are like. You might, in some cases, you might be able to take an exam and they'll license you. Mm -hmm. If not, you would have to retake the program. Okay. And you'd have to start all over from scratch. Unfortunately, yes, because then again, every country has their own uh, numbering system, has their own different uh, terminology. Mm-hmm. It's a little bit different. Mm-hmm. What do you suggest? Um, what kinds of skills or necessary characteristics does a person have to have in order to be successful in this field? You have to learn how to be humble is the biggest one. Um, mm-hmm. There's going to be some people who are not going to want you to be in that room, especially if you're a woman like me who covers and who Mm -hmm. wears a hijab. You have to learn how to be outgoing. You can't, you know, have your patient come in and not start a conversation. You have to be kind. You have to kind of be somebody who's willing to give. You got to give physically, mentally. Um, You just have to, you know, you have to learn how to be there for that patient to give Mm -hmm. them your time, to give them your energy in order to provide them good care. Yeah. Have you had those experiences where someone comes in um, or yeah, to the office and you walk in and they don't want you? Yes, I've had quite a few um, in different offices, but in the office that I currently work in right now, uh, there was one patient who came in a little bit earlier than her appointment. And the doctor asked me to start off with her x-rays before he stepped in for his exam. Mm -hmm. And the moment I sat her and I stepped in, she looked at me and she said, I don't want you in the room. Where's the other girl? I said, that's fine. No problem. So Mm -hmm. I stepped out and I reached out to the other hygienist or the other assistant who was on the floor. And I said, can you guys please start her x-ray? She doesn't want me in the room. Mm -hmm. And that's just something, you know, you you handle it. You have to handle it very professionally because there are going to be some people who are not going to be comfortable for some reason. They feel intimidated or they automatically link you with a certain group of people and they don't feel comfortable with you in the room. Mm-hmm. That's so big on your part that you understand that in a way that most people wouldn't. I've seen people get offended. I've seen mm-hmm. people in this field who actually, in order to get a job or to maintain their patient pool, have 
gone down the line of removing their hijab because they were the ones intimidated. They were the ones who felt Mm -hmm. the need that they needed to change themselves in order to fit in. And I think that's wrong because wearing a hijab is a part of who I am. It's a part of it's a part of me. I'm not going to take that off or, you know, change myself just so somebody else can feel comfortable. I will remove myself from the room so the patient is comfortable and I'll ask mm-hmm. somebody else to step in. But I would never go down the line of, you know, I'm not going to do this. I'm going to hide who I am because I'm scared. That's that's mm-hmm. just not me. How important is it to make sure that a patient is comfortable um, in the dentist's office or when they come in for an appointment? It's, it's actually very important because you play a very big part in whether that patient is going to come back or not. Mm-hmm. If you're going to be somebody who's, you know, who's not outgoing, who's not kind, who's not humble, who can't form a conversation with that patient, you're never going to see them again. That dentist will never see that patient again. That office mm-hmm. will start losing patients because it's kind of like saying you're the first line of defense. <laughs> um, yeah they come in and they see you first. So how you interact and react with them gives them a feel of what the office is like. So if, for example, a patient comes in and I don't ask them about their day or I don't introduce myself properly, or if I, you know, I come after lunch and I'm just in a rush or I feel like they're, or they feel like they're being lushed, they're not going to want to come back. So it's very important that, you know, they do walk in, you do ask them how their day was, you do try to relate with their story if they're telling you on or you or their stress levels or whatever it is that's bothering Mm -hmm. them you have to give them your ear and kind of open up your heart and take in what they're saying so you can you know give back to them later on and that sounds like it is a big part of the job Um, it is just working yeah Mm -hmm. um and i think uh what's important to pull out here is that um even with that encounter that you had you still put your job over um, and the patient's health and the care for the patient over everything else, um, which of is very course. big of you. Um, and it's something I think a lot of people can learn from as well. So thank you for sharing that. No problem. It's also a part of when you're, when they're swearing you in, they're going to give you your pin at graduation. When you swear in, you swear to provide optimal care and optimal mm-hmm. health for that patient. And what's important is that you're going to put yourself you know, you're going to put yourself to the side and put the patient's needs first. And that's mm-hmm. what's important. Now, something you were saying is that you have to listen to people. How much do people talk when your hands are in their mouth? <laughs> well, they don't mind stopping you just so they can get <laughs> their story out. <laughs> or, or, you know, I've had um, a patient come in who's for the first 15 minutes of, of the appointment, who sat down in that chair and has told you her entire life story and it's important that you listen because then that patient says that oh my god we have this tie together you always listen to me and I appreciate you listening this is the only place where I get that 10-15 minutes to sit down and pour my heart out Mm -hmm. and that's what's important you listen and you know you give them that time Mm -hmm. but you also have to you know let them know (laughs) I'm sorry but next time let's cut it down to 10 minutes instead of 15. (laughs) Um, how many patients do you see in a day? Um, it depends on the day. There are some days where we, you know, close a little earlier and some days where we stay a little later. So I would Mm -hmm. say about 10 to 12, maybe in a day. Does it ever bother you? Um, like seeing, I don't know. I feel like if I were to look into someone's mouth, I might be a little, uh, uncomfortable. Were you ever uncomfortable with that? 
I never was. <laughs> and I get this question asked a lot, like, how do you do it? I, um, I just do it. It's, it's, it's like second nature to me. I don't know mm-hmm. if that's, if that's a normal thing or not, <laughs> but sometimes people think I'm weird because when we're having a conversation, the first thing I do is I notice their teeth. <laughs> I don't know if it's a part of the job, oh, but it's something that you look for. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's something I'm used to. I've never been, uh, I've never been grossed out by it. I, I enjoy what I do and I enjoy it a lot. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank you. Um, so how are the hours? Are they very flexible? You said you get about 10 patients in a day. Um, you run very long. Um, no, the hours are, um, you can have, it, it all depends on where you're working and what area you're working in. So if you're working in an area where it's not that busy or there isn't really much a big community, you, you know, you work from nine to two or nine to three okay. and then you have some days, you have some areas like where I work now in Rutherford, which is kind of busy because we're close to New York city. Mm-hmm. So you have patients who come in every 30, every 40, every 20 minutes. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. Um, so you are married and have a child. I am. Yes. How do you manage your time? (laughs) (laughs) Well, (laughs) I have a six-year-old son who's in kindergarten Mm -hmm. and I, my husband is a chef, so he goes to work pretty early and comes home a little later in the day. Mm -hmm. Um, how I manage my time is I have certain days off during the week where I can spend some time with my son Mm -hmm. and I'm, you know, when I come home before bedtime, we get to spend some time together. That's how I kind of manage it. I try to balance it out as best as I can. But aren't you exhausted? I feel like working um, long, that, that, like those long hours and then coming back to um, a child, which is very demanding um, and you need to give that child care and time. Do you ever feel like you need a break? Um, um one time I was in school and mm-hmm. I was, I was really tired and I was really exhausted. I had a patient in the chair for a very long time who had very tenacious buildup and it was very hard to clean. Mm-hmm. And I was so tired. I turned around to my professor. I said, I'm exhausted. How do you do this? <laughs> she looked at me and she said, if you love what you do, you never get tired of doing it. So since I love what I do, I don't get tired of doing it, but I'm not going to lie. There are some days where I come home and I'm tired, but then again, I, I love my son and I love my job. So I'm not, I'm not going to sit here and say, oh, it's really tired and it's really exhausting. You shouldn't do it. No, if you love what you do, you're never going to be really that tired. And you make time for both. Yes. Mm-hmm. And you have to make time for both. You mm-hmm. got to balance it out. There's got to be a balance between your personal life and your work life or else it's going to be chaotic. What's something you wish you knew about the field um, or a piece of advice someone would have given you before you got into it? If I knew that um, it takes a really big physical toll on you, um, I would have thought of it differently, I think, um, mm-hmm. because there is something called carpal tunnel syndrome and it's a nerve in your wrist and in your yeah. hand that kind of gets pinched when you overwork your hand. Mm-hmm. And it's sometimes it really does hurt. Sometimes I do come home and I can't fully close my hand. Um, if somebody told me, Hey, if you're going into dental hygiene and this is a side effect, I think I would have 
I would have think twice about it. Mm -hmm. But then because I do like what I do, this is just something I say, all right, it can be handled. It can be managed. There is a brace that I can wear from time to time or some hand exercises that I can do that helps me overcome this issue. Um, Do they ever recommend any type of physiotherapy, any type of um, anything to help relieve that uh, within your office? And do you think that should be something that is uh, also provided? Um, It is something that should be provided. Not a lot of offices do it. Mm -hmm. Um, My office is an office that I'm very blessed and they do provide uh, somebody who would come in who goes over certain um, exercises that you can do, Mm -hmm. certain um, massages you can get or certain things, activities you can do throughout the day to prevent this from happening. So it's, it's, it's very good. They do provide this. Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Um, <clears throat> another question that uh, I wanted to ask a little earlier, but we got into a longer conversation. Mm-hmm. What advice could you give to current high school or college students that could help them um, improve their chances for a job uh, further on in this field? Um, one of the biggest advices I can give is if you really want to be in this field, go out before you actually pursue it and get a feel of what it's like. Mm-hmm. Um, because there are a lot of people who come into this field and they have a completely different idea of what it is than it actually is. And then once they're in it for a little bit, they're like, this isn't what I wanted to be a part of, or, mm-hmm. oh my God, this is, this is not what I was expecting. So if you are in high school or you are in college and you want to be in this field, call a dentist office, call a doctor's office and be like, can I come in for a day? Can I shadow your hygienist? Can I see what it's like to be, you know, to be in that room with all those patients, to be running back and forth, to get an idea and to get a feel of it. And if you feel like that's something that you can do and pursue Mm -hmm. and make a career out of it, then by all means, go for it. And I just realized when you said hygienist, we didn't tell people what a dental hygienist is. (laughs) Please tell us what a dental hygienist is. Sure. A dental hygienist is somebody who is a professional who uh, provides you with um, cleanings, your management of your periodontal disease, gingivitis if you have it, somebody who takes over your x-ray taking, somebody who goes over your oral cancer screenings with you, somebody who works hand in hand with the periodontist and you know they go through a plan of how to prevent you from getting certain oral diseases and how to teach you how to properly brush and floss and how to maintain your smile. What oral diseases or um, other kinds of, um, what do you say, complications or uh, other things, health risks can be, um, can a person get through just not cleaning their mouth correctly? Well, um, your mouth is linked to the rest of your body. So there are a lot of overall high, um, side effects mm-hmm. um, that are linked to your mouth that a lot of people are not aware of. People think, okay, their mouth is just their mouth and it can't be linked to their heart or it can't be linked. If your woman is pregnant, it can't be linked to their baby. Or if somebody has diabetes, it can't be linked to their diabetes. Unfortunately, your mouth is linked to everything. And you have to be very careful with the way you maintain it because there are diseases out there like endocarditis that causes plaque buildup in your arteries 
arteries. Mm -hmm. Um, If you're pregnant and you're not taking care of your mouth, you're at a risk of having a low weight child or premature um, baby. Um, If you're diabetic and you're not taking care of your mouth, you can cause dry mouth and that bacteria overgrows and you can get pneumonia if you're not aware. Um, There's a lot of things that are linked to your mouth um, and to your health that you just have to be extremely careful with. That's why it's so Mm -hmm. important to brush and floss, to use mouth rinses, to maintain your six-month visits to your hygienist to prevent these things from happening. Mm -hmm. And I hope more, pe- more people will visit their dental hygienist uh, after this uh, show. Inshallah, <laughs> <laughs> they will. Um, what's the most inter- interesting patient you've had come in? I've had a very interesting one patient. Um, I had a gentleman come in who had, I, I don't even know if, you know, I don't even know how to say it, but who had everything going on for him. He had a heart condition. He was diabetic. Um, he had periodontal disease. His teeth had very high mobility. They were moving as he spoke and everything. And he was a smoker on top of that. And he had some wow. staining. He comes in and he goes like, I'm going on a date. And I'm very concerned with the staining on my bottom teeth. Can you remove it? Just the staining. Just the staining. That's not all even you're... like how his teeth looked, um, the way that they moved. Not even that. Not even how his how his, how he has his breath smelled. Nothing. He was just concerned about the staining, and <laughs> it completely blew my mind that that's all he was concerned with. And had at the he end not of visited the... for a long time before that? He hadn't been to the dentist in 10 years, and wow. I want to say maybe he had some kind of traumatic experience. That's why it's so important mm-hmm. as a hygienist that, you know, you're kind to your patients and they actually want to come back. Mm-hmm. Um, but he just, he was so concerned with that staining. And after I spent the appointment explaining to him, you know, what complications could lead to what, and since he, since he had a heart condition, since he had diabetes, how important it was for him, he didn't hear any of that turns around at the end and he goes like do you think if I whiten my teeth it would be okay I I was speechless I was completely speechless is that um an example another example of like a difficult patient to deal with as well like trying to tell someone the health risks and them not taking it in um some people don't take it in um because you're the hygienist you're not the Mm -hmm. doctor and unfortunately one of the downfalls of being a hygienist is sometimes patients don't take you serious because you don't have that doctor title. Um, If they hear it from the doctor, you can say the same exact thing the doctor does. They won't listen to you, but they'll listen to the doctor. So that's why sometimes when I have situations like that, or I get a vibe from the patient, they're not going to listen to me. Mm -hmm. I'll tell the doctor and the doctor will tell them exactly what they need to be told and they'll listen. They'll come in Mm -hmm. because the doctor said it. I love how you have this ability to put yourself aside um, and not make it about, you know, no, you should listen to me. I have the same qualifications or no, I have a right to be in this room or you make it all about the people around you. Um, how do you, how do you build that? Um, it's part of, it's part of being humble. Um if you're not humble and if you're not, if you're somebody who's overly proud of, of yourself, um, you're going to put yourself first. You're going to want to be the center of it all. You're going to want your patient to take your word for it. Mm-hmm. But if you're humble, 
And you know when that when you need to step outside the room and have the doctor step in and explain the situation to the patient, then you're going to be successful. But if you're too conceited with yourself and you feel like you need to be the center of it all, you're you're gonna you're never gonna put the patient first. You're always gonna put yourself mm-hmm. first, and you're gonna have this sense of important only for yourself, not for the yeah. patient. And you might also cause people to not come anymore, or people to. Um, for them to have more health risks in the future as well. Exactly, exactly. Because then they're going to remember you as the hygienist who, who's a know-it-all. <laughs> <laughs> and I've had patients come in and tell me that, you know, my last hygienist was a know-it-all. Um, I never listened to her because the way she explained things or the way she said things wasn't right. And I felt like the mm-hmm. doctor knew better or the doctor this. And I'm just like, okay, this is somebody the doctor needs to speak to. So I'm like, what? <laughs> let me grab a doctor for you and he'll go over it all with you. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think uh, touching on the part about being humble, uh, that's a trait that we value a lot within Islam. How has Islam helped you on your road to success? Um, A lot. It's it's helped me a lot because I always um, remember that I need to be humble and in order uh, for me to be where I am now, I've Mm -hmm. I've always asked God to help me, you know, get, I've always prayed and I always helped God to get me to where I am now. And I believe that if you're not somebody who doesn't have that spiritual tie Mm -hmm. with with the Lord who created you, you're never going to get where you really want to be because you have to realize that in order for you to be where you are, God's planned it all out. You know, he'll, he'll get you there. You have to believe in him to get you there, but you also have to work for it. Mm -hmm. Um, Do you think you would have stayed an assistant for the rest of your life if you hadn't met that dental hygienist? If I hadn't met that dental hygienist, I probably would have stayed an assistant. I, I wouldn't have, I wouldn't have vendored out. There would have been no room for growth. I would have just stayed the dental assistant and I would have been completely, completely blinded to this entire world of dental hygiene. <laughs> you wouldn't have discovered your true passion. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't. It, it, um, it would be a different story. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you feel that you, because you, um, in our pre-interview, you mentioned that you had the goal of becoming a dentist. Um, do you still have that goal in mind? I do. Um, it's it's a long term goal, but you know, hopefully, I can work towards it and get there eventually. But mm-hmm. someday in the near future, <laughs> I would I would hope that I can go ahead and accomplish that goal and become a dentist. Yeah, inshallah. Uh, inshallah. And I think there's a lot to be said about always taking the opportunities that are presented, and a lot to. Um, just learn uh, from your journey as well. Yes, yes, you do. Thank you so much for sharing. No problem. What's your final piece of advice for our listeners today? Something you want to leave them with? My final piece of advice is some people say, oh, if you're a dreamer, you really don't get anywhere. I think if you dream big and you put your complete trust in Allah, you can accomplish anything. So always dream big and pray to Allah to give it to you. It'll happen. Inshallah. Thank you so much for that. No problem.
You were just listening to the UMentor Talk Show. If you missed this or future shows, you can always hear the replay on the UMentor website under prior talk shows. And while you're there, why not subscribe to our iTunes podcast so you never miss another show? If you want to reach out to today's speaker or speakers from any of our previous shows to ask these professionals any questions you may have, just visit our online platform at umojaoutreach.org slash unleash the future slash groups or visit the UMentor website and hit the link for online platform. Thank you for listening to our speaker today on Facebook Live. Be sure to tune in next week on Saturday at 3 p.m. to hear more stories from our next guests.